Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Ohio Mysteries Backroads. In this podcast, we explore some of the little-known legends, stories, places, and rumors about the great Buckeye State. We're your hosts, Mike and Dan. So hide the keys, lock the doors, and turn down the lights. The next episode is about to begin. Hello, welcome to another edition of Ohio Mysteries Backroads. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the mysterious Schneider Park in Akron, Ohio. I'm Dan, and on this mic is Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really interested in hearing about this Schneider Park. Let's jump into it. Great. Schneider Park is a park in West Akron today. It's a residential park, and a lot of people in the neighborhood use it, and it's got a very dark past that some people don't know about. In today's episode, we're going to discuss that dark past and everything that occurred there. Perfect timing for Halloween. In 1850, Summit County paid $3,953 to create an infirmary and they purchased 150 acres of farmland from Joseph McCune. He had a farm there in Summit County. Construction began, and the infirmary opened in 1866. And, and who went to the infirmary? What, what people were put there? And this is where the story gets a little sad almost. So in the infirmary were the indigent, the poor, These were the dregs of society that nobody really wanted and people just chose to ignore. Just people just, if they were unhappy with their, they felt they were sick or something, would drop them off there and they didn't want to take care of them, whatever. Correct. And that's exactly what happened. And this is exactly how it played out. And the conditions were very soon called hellish. Did they drop children off there? They did drop children off. And in fact... Part of the reason that this was controversial was they would actually sterilize some of the women in the infirmary to prevent them from having children. Wow. In fact, some of the children are still buried in Schneider Park today. And, that, and that's the whole where we're going to go with the story is what's happening in the park nowadays, who's, who might be buried there? or Yes, yes, that's exactly still buried, it. Still buried there, I should say. Still buried there to this day. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about. So the infirmary opened in 1866, and it was soon described as hellish, and the conditions were very brutal. They would often use a thing called a pest house, and a pest house was a small house. It was a small dwelling, like a cottage almost, or more, in this case, like a shed. People were often put there as a form of punishment when, indeed, the whole idea behind it 
was to isolate these people, whether you had a communicable disease or you had some reason to isolate these people, but it just became a punishment for the whims and anybody that deemed needed punishment, they would throw them in these pest houses. And they were small and the conditions were often cramped. It was said that women were sometimes tossed in there without clothes for over a week. And it just sounded like a really sad, rough place to be. So over time, um, the deaths began to increase. And from 1867 to 1908, they had 156 deaths. From 1908 to 1916, over 300 deaths. So the body count is at 456. So what they started doing was burying these people almost in the backyard. Initially, the cemetery was described as a swamp, so it didn't sound like a very pleasant place to be. The infirmary itself was all self-sustaining. So they had a dairy, they had a school, they had everything they needed to isolate themselves from the outside world. The Summit County Infirmary just sounded like a really rough place to be, and pretty soon everybody just chose to ignore it. It was something that nobody wanted to think about, nobody wanted to talk about. With almost a very small budget, people began to steal and rob from the infirmary, and including one of the more gruesome aspects of the story is if somebody passed away, they wouldn't even have a a death certificate. They were resurrectionists, what they called at the time, and they would steal the bodies without a death certificate. So the infirmary would sell these bodies to these resurrectionists. The resurrectionists were, in essence, grave robbers. They would steal bodies from graves, but it's going to be easy if you don't have to dig up a grave. You just go to the infirmary. Give them a few bucks. Give them a few bucks, and and I think the going rate was between $15 and $25. Quick money. Quick money. This was at a time when medical schools like Case Western Reserve, which was known as Case back in those days, needed bodies. It was one of the requirements. So where are you going to go to get a body quickly? You can stop by the infirmary. And it was just a sad ending. Not only was it a sad ending to the story for the humanity of it all, but without death certificate, there's no traceability. You don't know who's there. All they know is somebody checked in, and they don't know if they checked out. Did they get better? Did they leave? Did a family member pick them up? Or, probably in this case, they either buried them or just sold them to a medical school. It had to be a brutal, brutal, tough way to go. And it sounds like the infirmary in general wasn't a very pleasant place. So so talk to me about when they buried these bodies. How did, how did they do that? You, you said there must have been some records because you gave us some numbers earlier about how many died during a certain period of time there. So there must have been some records kept a little bit, but it doesn't sound like it was real accurate. Or was it random bookkeeping? Correct. Yes. So in answer to your question, yes, and all of those questions. So they did keep some records, and I think they would almost have to because the city or whoever the authority was at the time, they would come to the infirmary and say, hey, wait a minute. You have a lot of people here. What happens when they die? They would have to have some records. You can't have no records. Was, was there funding based on how many people were there or how many people died or how, how things ran there? How, how did they base their funding? Do you know uh, the funding they got from the government? I don't exactly know how the funding goes, but I'm confident it wasn't by the number of people. I okay. think that was contributed to the problem because the more funding you need, you're going to have to appeal to your tax base. Okay. And there's no really return on investment if you want to think about it in those terms. It would be a hard sell 
to go to your neighborhood and say, hey, the infirmary down the road, they really need the money. Well, how many times can you do that before the people, the residents would say, well, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm not getting anything out of this. Why can't the infirmary take care of themselves? And so I think this contributes to the problem. And I think that there was relatively very little oversight. So without any little oversight, it was open for graft and corruption. So not only would people just steal from the budget, but you're selling bodies out the back door too. Yeah, and you're, again, we'll go back to what you were saying about how, how they buried them in, in like a marsh, you said. There was like a marsh area. The area was, the ground must have been soft or watery to we don't know to what extent. Right. But they were, put, they were just burying people back there. How are they burying them? Or, or am I jumping here? Jumping no, ahead. No, you're fine. Okay. So what they would do is they would bury them in a shallow grave without a coffin, without a marker. Not even, maybe even six feet deep. Not even six feet deep. I think just enough that you can have dirt over them. In fact, some of the residents reported seeing bones sticking out of the ground. Wow. And as a kid, that had to be terrifying. I, I think so. If you go to Schneider Park today, if you look diagonally from one end to the other, you can still see a path. And they call this path the graveyard path. And this was the path when neighborhood kids would cut through to get from one end of the neighborhood to the other. And this was the path where they said they could see bones sticking out of the ground. If you're a little kid, that had to be terrifying to cut through there at night, a swampy marsh, and you can see bones sticking out. And, and to this day, the park is still open and those bodies are still buried there. Well, yes. To answer your question, yes, the park is still open, and a lot of people use this. It's in it's in Akron. It's a city park. A lot of people still still go there, whether it's with their kids or playing sports. It's still there today, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Okay, because I'm just wondering if the general population even knows. I'm sure they got to know about this today. I think some of the general population uh, knows about it, and if you watch the video on. North Coast History and Haunts about Schneider Park, we go there and we can take a look and you can still see the depressions in the ground. There is a documentary about Schneider Park and it's on YouTube as well. So if you you hop on YouTube and search for Schneider Park, you can still see it and they really do an effective job. So what they did in modern times, they use drone and they use aerial technology to do a thermal scan of the ground to try to determine exactly how many bodies are buried there. But one of the issues that they have is they have no idea where this stops and where it starts. So it could be, the, and there's, at this point, it's virtually, it would be almost impossible to know. They can come up with an educated guess. And I know that the University of Akron did a study in 2017, and that's where a lot of these figures come from. So the infirmary falls on hard times and, and the residents become frustrated because they're having to spend good money after bad. So the decision was made to sell the infirmary. The city needed money and so they, they sold this land to developer Philip Schneider. What he did is he tore down the infirmary and he built a new one in Monroe Falls. What do you think happened to the bodies? Well, that was going to be my next question. When he bought this, he had to know there was a cemetery there, right? And these bodies randomly buried almost anywhere, everywhere. Wouldn't he? Wouldn't he have to be? Wouldn't he have to go through the city to? Isn't there proper procedure to remove those bodies, or what would they do? So that was a great question, Mike. And so that was part of the issue. I don't think there was regulations and standards back then that we have today. Today, and you can probably speak about this very intelligently, 
is that now these plots are very well marked. You know who's buried, and you know where they're buried, when they were buried, all those good details. And I think you mentioned earlier there were no markers in place. These bodies could be buried next to each other, four feet apart, one above the other if they happen to dig deep enough on the first one. So it's just all random. Absolutely random. And I think that's really when a lot of these poor record keepings became became exposed. So a lot of these things, a lot of the problems were brought to the light of day. And it really exposed how bad the conditions really were, including how they treated their dead, which is probably somewhat indicative of how they were treated when they were alive. Uh, yeah. And so it was, it was a rough story, and it was just bad things that were coming to light. So he bought the property, and he did nothing with the bodies. He moved some of the bodies, and I don't have the detail of exactly how they determined how many were moved. I oh, yeah, okay, or, or which ones would be moved. Right. How do you pick which ones you're going to move? Do you think he moved certain ones because he wanted to build on certain part of the land? So he, they moved a section over here, let's move these bodies because we're going to build here, or we're going to do something with that land over here and not worry about that section over there? Human nature being what it was, I would imagine whatever's easier at the time. Probably. I don't think they were really given a strong consideration, and he bought a lot of the land. So it wasn't like he just bought a small city lot. He bought a lot of the land to develop into this neighborhood, which still exists today. Ironically enough, the development is called Sunset View Subdivision. So here you have a view of the sunset, which sounds really nice and very pleasant. The sun is setting on Schneider Park, which contains all of these bodies. So the upshot to the whole thing, so let's bring this story full speed, is that nobody knows how many bodies are buried there. They know some bodies are buried there, but they don't know how many. Additionally, a huge problem in northern Ohio and a lot of the United States at the time was the, what we talked about. People are robbing graves. They're pulling bodies out of the ground, and nobody knows if they're buried there or not. If you go to Schneider Park today, you look out, you can still see the depressions in the ground. And with a kind of a discriminating eye, you can understand what those depressions are. But I don't think a lot of people do. I think they just see it as a city park. And really, a lot of people don't know that bodies are still buried there today. That amazes me. I, I, I would just think you would know that. It would be like a a rumor going around the neighborhood or a, a longstanding, oh, did you hear, or myth or legend or something. You know, there's, there's other circumstances, not many. I know that there's a place called Cheeseman Park in Denver, Colorado, where they had the same circumstance, where people were paid to move the bodies. They took the money but never moved them. Mm. And I think the Cholera Cemetery in Sandusky, Ohio, same thing happened there. So maybe it wasn't that uncommon of a practice at the time, especially if you throw in uh, situations where whether you have a cholera epidemic or a bad a bubonic plague epidemic, whatever. When these plagues sweep through, they did their best just to get the bodies in the ground. There wasn't a lot of forethought in, in terms of marking the grave or concern of that. They're more concerned of staying alive, the people that are, that are left behind. Anybody from northern Ohio who's listening to this might know this, the details. There's a book that somebody wrote about how cemeteries were just covered over by roads, by cities. You know, they're, they're called like hidden cemeteries that you would never know are there. You know, they built right above them. They, like you just said, they never bothered to move them. Or if they were supposed to be moved, they were never moved. And they just built right on top of them. There's, you could probably be somewhere and, and not even realize you're on top of a cemetery because something was just built right over it. Well, when those kinds of situations happened, 
were there grave markers or gravestones? Again, I think it's a situation you were describing. They just buried them because they were sick or they just, you know, just to get rid of them. Random bearings. There were small cemeteries back then. You know, this is the 1800s and or even earlier. And there are small cemeteries in, in towns and on farmland. And eventually that all gets developed and they just develop right over it. There's a, there's a book in, in, I don't know who's, who wrote it, but it's, it's a, just about that fact that all the, he lists all these cemeteries that used to be there that are just covered by something else now. And it's really, it's really interesting and fascinating to me as how often that happened. Additionally, I think it wasn't unusual, hearkening back even way back when, if somebody passed away, you would often have a family plot in your backyard. Exactly. So what we have today, it's almost an impossibility to understand how many graveyards are out there, how many family plots are out there. They could probably do use a best guess, but at the end of the day, the reality is we'll never know. Right. There, there are... I know there's a main thoroughway, again, in Northeast Ohio, a big four-lane road, and there's office buildings, and there's four or five headstones right alongside the parking lot for these, these buildings, this one building. It's a main street, busy, everything. The freeway is right there, and you can pull into this parking lot, and if you look over to the left, there's just four headstones wow. right, right next to the parking lot. Never, they, were never, they were just left there, and they were built. everything was built around them. And it's situations like that, that it really goes to show, A, you can't fight City Hall. Right. And B, money's going to win out. Economic right. development will always win. And yep. that's exactly what happened in this case. So when Philip Schneider passes away in 1935, he deeds the land to the city who decided to turn that land into a city park. He had an unusual stipulation, though. He stipulated that no sports are to be played in the park, which was kind of an unusual request. No sports played in the park. Did he hate sports? I don't know. Well, that's, a, that's a good question. I think people still still are seeking that, that answer today. Was he one of those kids that was like the last one picked on the team? And, you know, so now he had a... a... Well, if he, he would have been the second to last person. I would have been the last person oh, okay. picked on the team. So I understand it. I'm in that club too. It's okay. So Philip Schneider deeds the land to the city after he passes in 1935. The city turns it into a city park. At that time, they made no attempt to even recognize what had happened there in the past. So, and I'm not sure if they did that on purpose or not. That'd be a good question to find out. And we have the hindsight, of course, now of this time being passed, but Back then, was it a budgetary consideration? Maybe they didn't have enough money to indicate. Maybe it was just, we need a park, or was this subdivision just put up so fast that they didn't even have any time or any money to do that? But at the end of the day, there was nothing. There was nothing to indicate that there are bodies still buried in Schneider Park. Except for the depressions in the land, in the ground that you mentioned earlier. Except for the depressions an in the ground. An occasional bone popping up out of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the occasional bone. And you know what? You hear about that from time to time. And I think it kind of colors and somewhat informs some of these legends. As we research and, and learn more about some of these stories today, you're going to hear about that. And you're going to hear that. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? And we have these questions that really make sense to us at the time, like right now. But back then, there was probably a practical reason for it. We just don't know what it was. Or like you said earlier, there, there were no laws and regulations of doing things. People just did things, they, and they didn't have to be held accountable. 
Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. In terms of even moving these bodies, I've heard that, that there was no, there's just no oversight. There's no accountability and everybody just kind of went along with it. Well, one year turns into two years, turns into three years and on and on and on. And before you know it, generations have passed where there are people that understand and know what happened in Schneider Park. But over time, you lose this accountability and you lose this traceability. So today, Schneider Park is a city park where people go and play and enjoy and have a good time. But very few, very few people know the dark past of Schneider Park. That's amazing. And I, and I think really the only way you would really know what's there is you'd have to just dig up the whole park and look for the bones. I mean, I know you said they, they kind of, they did some aerial with, uh, would you say it was with the drones? They did a uh, drone footage as well as that thermal imaging. Okay. Where so they, they ground penetrating radar, where they try to get an semblance of how many people are still. So there. they have an idea of where they could be then? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. They have an idea of where they could be, but that begs the question, what do you do with it? Right. Do you put up historical markers now? Do you take it from being a city park to a place where people are buried? And then to bring it full speed, who's going to pay for this? I I guess it's a good thing that families today don't know if they have relatives there because then they want them properly removed or something. Or would they even have a right to say, you know, that's my relative in there and I want them moved? Uh, You know, who would pay for that? Or or it's just, I guess it's a good thing that nobody knows who's buried there. That's a great question. And, And that's part of the tragedy of it all. We'll never know. Yeah. With those records being lost and really having no way of knowing who's there, in, in a perfect world, one could exhume the bodies and maybe do DNA tracing and find. That's out. what I'm saying. They'd have to dig up that whole park to really know who's there, when they, where they're at, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that that's just part of the intrigue and the mystery of this whole story. I don't think there'd ever be a movement where the the, the neighborhood or the city would say, "Let's let's see if we can dig some of this up and and." and get some DNA or try to identify any of these bones? Is it even worth it yeah, at this point? That's kind of a long shot, but yeah. I think at a minimum, I think they should have some kind of a sign. I think there should be some kind of a sign, some kind of an indication there at the park saying, hey, this is the past. It might not be pretty. It might be a little dark, but this took place here. And I, mean, I think there's probably a way that they could do it without without creeping people oh, out. That's what I was going to say, because maybe they're afraid people would not come to the park or it would just start a whole movement of of people being negative about it and, and not wanting to go to the park. Or or maybe, again, like we just said, a movement would be starting, well, let's dig some of these bodies up and let's, let's do a proper burial for them and blah, 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 blah. Who knows what the reaction would be with that, even if it's properly done, I wonder how people would react to it, a marker. That's a really good question. And I think with the, with the idea of civic pride and people being proud of the neighborhood that they're in, is this something that you really want to advertise? Right, right. So there's a lot of good questions surrounding this. It's a unique situation, that's for sure. It's very unique. You can visit Schneider Park today. It's in West Akron. If you Google it, it's easily found. The park itself is... Uh, a little under three acres, and it's a popular place. There is a sign there um, for Schneider Park. There is a sign acknowledging develop Philip Schneider. So I think it's unusual that there's a sign commemorating Philip Schneider, who, in essence, bought the land from the city and developed it. So he profited from this. We have a sign from a guy who profited from it, but we don't have a sign. There's no indication of the 
of the people that are buried there. So in terms of humanity, here we are honoring a guy who made the money, but we're not honoring the, peop the poor people that were thrown into these shallow graves and buried there without really any, any memorial whatsoever. It seems odd to me they're honoring a guy who made money there but did and probably knew about these bodies and chose to do nothing about it. Or even though you said he moved some of them, I don't know. That's kind of a weird thing to, for me to think about. That, that here's a sign about this guy, and I don't know. It just seems like he didn't properly handle the situation. Well, before we before we put him on trial here, okay. What I'm thinking though is, and maybe you know about this a little bit. So if the city were to move this infirmary, okay, they move it from Akron to Monroe Falls, it would probably be incumbent upon the city to move the bodies. And maybe that was a stipulation of the sale of the whole infirmary itself. So that gets him off the hook and it makes the city responsible, liable. Whatever. Sure. And so if you think about it, if he's a developer, he really wants the land. And right. so the cemetery, the graveyard itself, was probably a liability for him. He didn't probably didn't want the hassle. If I'm a developer and I'm buying acre, 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 and oh gosh, now I have to deal with this graveyard, maybe he went to the city and said, hey, this is your problem. You need to resolve this before I buy this land. Maybe I'm, it was yeah. stipulated in the in the contract. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, that's true. It's like I'm buying this land from you. I'm giving you money. You take care of that. From what I could see, from the research that I did, it sure seemed like the city not was embarrassed, but they wanted to forget this place. This was a place they were not proud of. Absolutely. The residents were not their A-list celebrities of Akron, and so they just wanted it out of sight, out of mind. So maybe it was a deep sigh of relief when they finally did sell this land and they were able to move the infirmary. Now they didn't have a constant reminder of what the, the bad parts of their society was. And they, to this day have kept it a pretty good secret, apparently. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And it's really surprising to me that it would be this level that nobody knows about this. I'm shocked. I'm surprised that people don't know. I, I feel like I want to go down to that park and just randomly talk, ask people if they know what's going on here. And a lot of people don't, don't know wow. what's going on, including a lot of people are playing sports there. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure how, uh, how many times Mr. Philip Schneider is turning over in his grave right now, but it is still a popular place. And they're playing the sports. And playing sports. So that's the story of Schneider Park today. That was a great story. I feel like I want to go down there and just kind of look around. Yeah, it's worth it. If you're ever in Akron, go down and check it out. I will do that. Thanks for the, that's awesome. Great story. Thanks. Thank you. This has been another episode of Ohio Mysteries Backroads. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to learn more about stories like this, make sure you check out the podcast Ohio Mysteries. They have a lot of excellent podcasts to choose from, everything from Missing People to the Moonville Tunnel. They have it all. Check out my partner Mike's Facebook page at Too Late for Autographs. I can be found at North Coast History and Haunts on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. That was another episode of Ohio Mysteries Backroads. Stay tuned for more.
Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.